Praise the Lord, everybody. Praise the Lord, everybody. Let's give him some praise, shall we? Let's love him a little bit more. Thank you for your power. Thank you for the spirit that's in this place. And for your blessings. Praise God. If you have your Bibles, we're going to uh, turn to 2 Kings chapter 2. 2 Kings chapter 2 and verse, verse 9. I've been preaching a series on Elijah. And I feel like God has directed me to do so. And I have uh, several reasons for doing it besides just absolutely the Lord has directed us. But ten, uh, tonight I'm reading verse 9, 10, and 11 of 2 Kings chapter 2. And it came to pass when they were gone over Jordan that Elijah said to Elisha, Ask what I shall do for thee before I be taken away from thee. And Elisha said, I pray thee, let a double portion of thy spirit be upon me. And he said, Thou hast asked a hard thing. Everyone say a hard thing. Thou hast asked a hard thing. Nevertheless, if thou see me when I am taken from thee, it shall be so unto thee. But if not, it shall not be so. And it came to pass, as they still went on and talked, that, behold, there appeared a chariot of fire and horses of fire and parted them both asunder, and Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. Praise the Lord. Everyone said, praise the Lord. I'm preaching tonight from the subject, the miracle of the double portion. The miracle of the double portion. Praise God. I believe God wants to talk to the tabernacle tonight. Could you lay your Bibles down? And <clears throat> as you can tell, I have very little voice. I'd like you to pray that God will anoint his messenger, anoint our hearts, and bless this church. Could we do that right now, Heavenly Father? Lord, dear God, we ask for your anointing upon frail flesh right now. Just as Elijah knew the power of God in his life, so we long for your promises of the supernatural. We long for Pentecost, and we're not embarrassed to ask for a hard thing. We're not embarrassed to say, Lord, we need something that's not ordinary. A difficult thing, Lord. Not because it's hard for you, but because we must be ready for the double portion. Lord, it wasn't hard for you. It is hard for us. And we ask you to get us ready, Lord. We long to be ready for all that you wish to do in us in Jesus' name. Can we just clap our hands and give him a little praise? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. Can you open this? Hallelujah, hallelujah. You can be seated. Praise God. The miracle of the double portion. Now, it's been frustrating for you because I've not preached about Elijah in sequence. I've kind of surprised myself. I'm a methodical type person, and uh, <clears throat> I tend to be uh, uh, that type of individual. And so uh, I have to be careful because I will... Uh, let myself, for example, I have to pick that cap up. I cannot, uh, Brother French was, no, 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 uh, no, I, I'm, I'm going to do it. I'm going to pick that cap up. 
it's a it's uh it's just the way I am. And so I've not preached it in sequence, and it's because my my it's not my methodology, it's my uh it's my sense of what God is trying to say to us in the life of Elijah. It is not a matter of okay, we're learning about Elijah in order. It has nothing to do with that. If I was if I were going to do that, I wouldn't preach it, I would do something else. But uh, I felt very strongly that God wants us to consider the lives of great men, especially Old Testament men and women. And uh, I know it's a little frustrating because, the, uh, for example, I, I preached uh, a message entitled the, the Fire and the Rain. And, uh, <clears throat> and that was not a message about uh, the fire of God falling and then the rain coming. It was a message about the rain stopping and the fire and the relationship between them. And so it is that God is a God of fire. Does anybody believe in the fire of the Holy Ghost tonight? So, uh, so I preached the fire and the rain before I preached the message entitled, I Hear the Sound of Abundance of Rain. They were really opposite messages, and I preached them out of order because my purpose in preaching them was to say to this church that we can hear the sound of abundance of rain. Does anybody believe that? We can hear the sound of abundance of rain. But what is happening is, and I, I'm just going gonna to preach it. I can, I'm sorry. I'm not here to please anybody except the Lord. It is easy for us to become comfortable without a single sound of rain. It is easy for us to feel that everything is just fine because we get comfortable. But God will not be pleased. We need to hear the sound of abundance of rain. We need the power of revival in our midst. And so that was frustrating because those, both of those sermons were out of order. And then after I preached about the miracle of the rain that I just mentioned, I went all the way back to Zarephath and preached the, the miracle, uh, what I call that, the miracle, uh, <laughs> well, it doesn't matter what I called it. Um, I had several names for it and, and my fun name was Breakfast at Zarephath. But anyway, uh, I was preaching about the miracle of the rain. And, uh, and then, of course, after that was the miracle of the resurrection of the widow's son. Now, tonight, I'm anticipating the end of this series. Not that I'm at the end, but I'm anticipating it by preaching the miracle of Elijah's sum total of miracles. That is. Uh, what we're calling the miracle of the double portion. In other words, you can't get you can't double something until you know what the total is. You have to know what the quantity is before you can double it. And so the, I feel the Holy Ghost is trying to minister to this church at Easter. And I, I, I'm gonna I've got some news for the devil. He's a liar, and we do not believe him. We're not listening to him. We are listening to the Spirit. The devil says you can't have revival. God says we can have revival. I'm anticipating the end by preaching the miracle of Elijah's sum total of miracles which were multiplied in Elisha's ministry. Praise God. I don't know why you're so quiet, but it's okay. <coughs> you're listening for me to croak and so on. That's all right. I understand. Those sum total were multiplied in the ministry of Elisha. That says great things to me. 
Church, I have no desire to be patted on the back and someone publish my books and someone think this is great or that's great or someone uh, stack it all up. Friends, I want to tell you what is important is where this ministry is going. If it is going in the wrong direction, we need to turn around. If it's going in the right direction, we need to go with all fervor. Elisha is waiting for a double portion. Now, I'm just going to bite the bullet and say that Elijah performed 10 miracles. I'm just going to come right out with it. And then all the people can say, well, that, well that's not true. That, that was a dozen miracles. It was, it was all of them. And then we'll just, we'll just uh, let them hear it right out. Elijah performed 10 miracles. And yes, you, you guessed it. Uh, Elijah performed 10 miracles and Elisha performed 20, 20 miracles. Now, this isn't a, a message about quantity. It's not a message about order because I've already said I've, I've frustrated people because I'm not preaching it in exact order. We're jumping around. But after that mantle of the prophetic robe of Elijah fell upon his shoulders. Elisha suddenly found his ministry expanded beyond his wildest dreams. I mean, when you think of the ministry of Elijah, and I'm not comparing, I'm not trying to compare. I'm not the one doing the comparing here. Elijah said in our text, I want a double portion of thy spirit. That was not selfish. That wasn't so he could go on television. That wasn't so he could say, I built the biggest building. He did it because he was a servant of God. He was God's servant. But I wish to emphasize the power of the original that is worthy of duplication. That is to say, when Elisha requested a double portion, he was exemplary of the fact that Elijah's ministry, and if, if I start saying Elisha, Elijah, Elisha, 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 I, I, it, it just, uh, just assume I mean the right name. I may say Elisha, Elijah, Elisha, Elijah, Elisha, Elijah. I, 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 Lord, I don't know why they had to have such similar names. And then there are times that I flat out uh, cannot recall, and I'm going to tell you why. Their ministries were so much alike that Elisha did not say, how much holiness can I get rid of and still have the same power that Elijah had? He did not ask to compromise. He asked for a double portion. He wanted what Elijah had. Glory to God. That's good preaching, Brother French. Worthy of duplication. Ministry that was original. Will what you are doing, my friend, be worthy of doubling? Is your yawning and your boredom be worthy of doubling? What is it that you are doing that will impact tomorrow's church? You say, Brother French, you're always preaching the coming of the Lord, so we're just setting back. Well, if preaching on the coming of the Lord causes you to set back, then I need to quit preaching it. 
That is not the purpose of preaching that Jesus is coming. To preach that Jesus is coming should set a fire in our bosom. It should cause our souls to come alive. Elijah's power with God elicited the desire of the ministry that was coming behind him. It was absolutely infectious. I wasn't going to use that word, but there it is. Elijah's ministry was so wowing. It was so amazing that it elicited the desire of duplication. It elicited the desire of emulation and preservation in the ministry that was following him. And church, if you don't think, we need a double portion of what the old timers had. I used to be a part of a church, by the way, that I remember when they started saying, oh, the old timers, they didn't know anything. I used to be a part of a denomination, wasn't apostolic. Before I was baptized in Jesus' name, I remember months and months. I remember when the headquarters said, we're no longer preaching that anymore. And when churches started saying, I'm never preaching that from my church again. I just happened to go back to my former church a few days ago. And I want to tell you, you would not recognize it. It was unbelievable. I was there just hours ago in the very church that cost tens of millions of dollars. And you couldn't feel an ounce of the Holy Ghost in that place. It was, I'm not going to go any further. Jesus, help me. Jesus, help me. Jesus, help me. Somebody shows the world, buy that tape, and then they'll start stalking me because I'm criticizing some big old beautiful church somewhere. I'm telling you, you can have your steeples, and you can have your playgrounds, and you can have your big guitars, and, and all of the gorgeous things you've got, but if God's not there, what is it worth? Elijah's ministry was worthy of emulation and all of this boredom just because somebody buys your record. Of course, maybe we don't have records. What do we have now? Do we have buy your iTunes? All right. I'm all for that. Buy your iTunes. There are people that would sell their soul to be famous. They would compromise everything the Bible says to be famous. It is absolutely a shame before God. In America, I'm going to say it, you can like me or not. America is in trouble because its preachers refuse to stand in the sacred place and deliver the saith the word of God. But when you preach God's word, you're God's man. All of a sudden things happen that no devil can stop. Hallelujah. We should not be discarding the mantle of holiness. We should not be dismantling the mantle. We should not be replacing Acts 2.38 with compromise and error and false doctrine. 
We should not be doing it. We should not be listening to false prophets. You know, the king hated Elijah. I'm not. <laughs> I didn't think you were going to like it. Ahab and Jezebel. Listen, when Jezebel loves you, you're in trouble. There's a whole lot of folks fell in love with Jezebel a long time ago. But Jezebel was no friend of God. She was no friend of the prophet or the man of God. The, the purpose of the prophet was to please God, not man. And to love man's applause is not a worthy ministry to multiply. <laughs> Now someone will say, Brother French, you're, what are you trying to say? What are, you, are you trying to say we don't want to be successful? No, no, I'm, I'm not trying to say that. I'm not trying to say that if God chooses and we, we could outgrow this building and build a bigger building, if that's what God wants, then we'll wear ourselves to a frazzle doing it. But I am not willing to drive a single nail just for the applause of men. We don't need the applause of men. And it is not worthy of multiplication. Anybody can be worldly. Anybody can love worldliness. Someone that used to love holiness said to me the other day, the Lord told me to do it. The Lord told you to do something that violates his word. No, my friend, you're... You've been listening to Ahab, and you are most sorely going to find your ministry diminished, not doubled. Right. Folks, listen to me. We've got a chance to have old-fashioned revival, or we can just settle for numbers. Hey, hey, folks, I talked to everybody who walks in these doors. If we compromised everything that there was, we could fill every pew in this church. We're not here to fill every pew. We're here to fill heaven. We're here to touch lives. And God is going to give us the power to do it. We're going to have revival. It's going to be genuine. And it can be multiplied. Listen, when you multiply worldliness, you've multiplied hell. You have multiplied evil. So what good does that do? And then you call yourself a preacher. What we need to be doing is loving people. Hating sin. We've got too many people who cares about people that just love sin so much that they can hardly, hardly stand it. Anyone can wax worse and worse. Anybody can do that. Just doing whatever the world does and then following along like a bunch of following alongers. I had another word, but I'm not going to say it. That is not a ministry to multiply. Can we just lift our hands and say, Lord, I don't want to be, I want to follow the man of God that you have placed. I want to follow truth. 
And I give you praise for it. I'm not ashamed of it. Hallelujah. I'm not ashamed of it. I haven't had Sister French sing in a while, but she's still my favorite singer. And one of the songs she's sung through the years that I love, love, love is I am not ashamed of the gospel. Hallelujah. Oh, my goodness. I wish Sister French didn't have to leave town. It's the worst thing ever happened to Jonesboro. But uh, so I just go crazy when she, I can't take, I can't stand it when she goes. I just tell her, go, go, go. I don't want to, bye. I'm going to wave like that and then I'll see you later. It just, uh, it has to be and it just has to be. But I want to tell you something. You take a woman that longs for the world I'm not picking on women, talking about my wife here. She has kept me many a day. When our boys, I can't even talk about it, when we were facing unbelievable sickness, cancer, and, and heart conditions that seemed impossible, that little woman would get on her knees and she would begin to say, honey, it's going to be all right. It's going to be all right. And she would cry out to God. And, and I want to tell you, my friend, she loved the things of God above her own goodness and her own wishes of her own life, her own desires. I couldn't even think. She put God first. I cannot tell you the times. <laughs> oh. oh. I may be on up, you know, do I, I've got a little gray hair. Wouldn't you say I have a little gray hair now? A little bit of gray hair. and uh, But I hadn't always had gray hair. And I used to have hair, too. But uh, And I've seen times that I told her, I said, honey, I'm, I'm just not, uh, you know, I don't know how we're going to make it. When we started the church in Chicago, I said, honey, I, I'm almost afraid to tell you. I'm afraid to even tell you. I don't, I don't know how I'm going to do it. But the Holy Ghost has spoken to me, and we're going to Chicago. I'm going to Chicago. I'm going to start a brand new church. There's not a single soul there. And here's what the Holy Ghost told me. The university is going to call you. And they're going to say, sir, are you Talmadge French? Yes. We want to offer you X number of thousands of dollars if you will come. And I said, and when they call, I'm going to say yes. Because I have been in a prayer meeting. This boy was in the womb. She was so uh, obvious that she couldn't even go to the conference that year. And I told her I won't go. And she said, no, no, you've got to go. 
And in the altar at conference, the Holy Ghost spoke to me. I had a full calendar. I had meetings. I was getting meetings. I had just gotten several more. And I was working through my calendar because evangelizing full time. And, and the Holy Ghost, I was standing right up in the front there. And, and uh, Brother, <coughs> Brother Urshan was in the podium. And the Holy Ghost said, put your book down. You're not going to preach a single one of those meetings. You are going to Chicago. You are going to Chicago. And I thought, oh, I can't, oh, I can't tell Rebecca. This will this will be it. I'll be single forever. And I got home and I said, honey, I was trying to, you know, would you like to go get a like really splurge and go to McDonald's? Get your McDonald's and and she was, what's going on? What's going on? I mean, would I, we could even get Coke if you want it. We don't have to order water tonight. And I can say to this uh, lovely group tonight that after we'll have 40 years of marriage in a few months here, that not in 40 years of ministry, all the ups and downs and PhDs and all the things that my ministry, all the places, all the times that I had to head to Russia and head to uh, uh, all these places and and I would say, honey, I want you to go, but I, we don't have enough. We, we can't put this on the missionaries. Not one time in 40 years has she ever complained. When we didn't even know one night, uh, it's been a good while ago, but one night we had no money at all. All. I had no food at all. So that was rare. Usually we would have a few cents, you know, and we could get by. She could, and she had a sense of humor, and she would say, well, how many cents are in there? One night we were with a very well-known UPC preacher, and they asked me, I was preaching this camp, and I'll, I'm not going to say where. It just doesn't make any difference whatsoever. And they came to me and said, hey, Talmadge, we're going out tonight. We're going to the steak place. We want you to go. He was preaching the camp, and I was uh, teaching. And, uh, and Sister French ran back to the trailer. We had a little trailer, and she ran back, and she searched. She, she got under she didn't want me to be embarrassed, so she started digging around, and she found. <laughs> I'll never forget it. Honey, we can go. I found a dollar fourteen. I said, honey, they're, they're talking about the, the certain steakhouse, world-famous steakhouse. I wouldn't even be going if I had that kind of money because... We'd be spending it on something else, but uh, and so I gotta tell him no. And she said, "No, no, no, honey. They, they, we're here. We need to do our best. The Lord will help us." And uh, and so she devised a plan that when the speaker got done preaching, that 
that, uh, and they were going to come. Ooh, we're going to get back to you. We're going to go to the steakhouse. And so she was going to say to me, okay, like that. That all worked out. We could have won an Academy Award. And, and so she was to say to me, uh, I'm not very hungry, but I will go. How about you, hon? And then I was supposed to say, she told me my line. I was to say, well, I've been craving grilled cheese. And I'm quite sure I could have won. I, I believe I could have won. And so she ca they came in, they preached the house on fire, and, uh, and, and they honored me. It was just a great day. And uh, I come in, and Sister uh, Magruder said to me, uh, are y'all going? And Sister Prince said, well, yeah. Let's go, hon. But I'm not very hungry. And then when my line came ab about the grilled cheese, I hate grilled cheese. <laughs> uh, but I was, I was, I was trying so hard, and and it got caught. I, I, I'm just been craving, and I, I couldn't get it out. He said, "What's wrong, brother?" Uh, uh, nothing. I, I, I've just been craving some grilled cheese. And he looked at Sister Magruder and he said, "What is? we're not taking y'all out to eat grilled cheese. We want to treat you to the biggest steak ever. And I said, well, actually, I've been craving that too, so let's go. <laughs> Hallelujah. That's the kind of woman that I'm married to. She would do anything. She'd sacrifice. She worked with people that were right out of prisons. She loved them all the way to heaven. She was so filled with the power. I'm telling you, folks, we are living in a generation we should not be compromising. We should not be selling ourselves short. We should preach the truth regardless of what men think. That's the spirit of Elijah. Let's clap our hands and thank God for it. So Elijah's exploits elicited a hunger for more. Oh, that I had, they would say, that trade of ministry and that power. People like Elisha and all those others. In fact, when the chariots came down, the Bible says there was a whole crowd of prophets out there watching. Remember the look in their eyes, they would say. Remember those folks when the fire fell and they would tell that story all around Israel. Remember when the fire fell and those other prophets couldn't believe that there was a God in heaven. It was something worth talking about. It was something worth emulating. It caused young preachers to want to get in a pulpit and wave their Bibles. 
remembering when the fire fell. Folks, we need to be able to tell our young people. How many got the Holy Ghost this morning? What was the final? We had three people get the Holy Ghost this morning. Folks, That we, we need to see more. But thank God for every soul, for every life that God gets a hold of. It gets in their heart. Right out of heaven, remember one would say the awe on their faces when that meal and that oil could not run out. When that little boy pushed, took that meal barrel and looked up in there and sat it down and said, I think it's all gone. And mom would say, wait, go check. (laughs) Just when you think it's all gone. And he would go back over thinking it's here's a grilled cheese and he'd look in there and there was a full barrel because it could not run out does anybody remember faith that said we've got a God that never runs out there's always plenty do any of you long for a ministry that's based on a solid foundation or are we just looking for Hollywood and some TV preacher so we can be famous not me There's a blessing that simply brings the favor of God and it never runs out. It's that give me a double portion attitude. Does anybody here tonight long for what the old timers had? (laughs) Anybody want to get back to Pentecost? Anybody want to go back to the day of Pentecost? Give me Pentecost. You can have Hollywood. I want Pentecost. I want back to Back to the word of God. Now, I want to backtrack again for a moment because I know some of you, I've already, uh, I'm I'm so, I so want to preach this. Uh, um, Let me, let me backtrack. Let me say this, that uh, many think that Elijah's miracles, I I just want to be nice. Many... (laughs) Many folks will preach that Elijah had 14 miracles. So how many miracles then would Elisha have to have? See, then he'd have to have had 28 miracles. But the reason that they think there were four more than the 10 is that they include his prophecies. Let's call them amazing prophecies. They consider them miracles, and I'm okay with that because who cares in the world whether that was 1410 or 20 or 28? Nobody cares in the world. He promised him a double portion, a very hard thing, but uh, I want to talk about that for a moment because those prophecies, for example, in 1 Kings 21, the first prophecy was that Ahab's rejection of God would cause his sons to be destroyed. Because Ahab rejected God, Elijah prophesied right to his face, your sons will die. I'm telling you, Ahab, Your sons are going to pay the price for your compromise. And so Ahab didn't like it. 
And I think it's important for the tabernacle tonight. Is everybody okay? Can I preach a few more seconds here? To understand that selling the truth for ivory towers will take a toll on your family. You think that watching dirty movies and living it up and guzzling it down is going to make everybody so happy. But in the end, it will destroy you. Especially if you knew the truth. Now, someone that's just living in sin knows nothing about the truth. They're in an entirely different situation. But if you knew the truth and you throw it away, Ahab, the prophet is looking you in the eye and telling you your sons will pay the price. That was prophecy number one. Then the second prophecy, he prophesied that Jezebel, his treasured wife, would die. But not an ordinary death. Think of this. Think of a man of God talking to the king, queen and saying, you're going to die. You have gone over the line. Now, I realize we're in a culture that doesn't believe there are lines. That's why America is in serious trouble. They either repent and turn around or judgment is coming as sure as I'm standing here. God will judge sin as he always has judged sin. So he looked Jezebel in the eye and said, you're going to die. She hated it. How dare you let him talk to me like that? You cannot let that matter. I don't want that guy talking to me like that. I'm the queen. Well, I'm trying to shut him up, but when I need to find him, he disappears. And when he's there, so many angels around him, I can't get near him. Well, if you're any kind of man at all, you'd shut his mouth up. So he's standing there looking right at her and says, you're going to die. He says, but that's not all. You're not just going to die, Jezebel. You listen to me. You are going to be eaten. By dogs. Now, I, even as strong as I feel tonight about walking a narrow line, I think I'd have a hard time saying that to the queen right in her face. Dear queen, I'm emailing you this message from God. <laughs> See, I would be thinking, Lord, now, couldn't I just email this dear Jezebel? You're going to die and the dogs are going to eat you and they're going to lick the blood. I know this. I'm being a little overly graphic here. And of course, Ahab said, I've had enough of it. You need to shut his mouth up. So, church, we do not need to be deceived. All the promises of riches and Hollywood. And the politicians and the naysayers and the folks that said all those things the Bible says are not true. Forget God and live it up. Eat, drink, and be merry. They're false. Those, they're false prophets. 
Someone said, well, we don't care about that in our church. We do, we, we do whatever we want in our church. The day will come because that deception, you will pay a price for it. And it will come to your family. Elijah's third prophecy was of Ahab's son, Ahaziah, who, of course, did become king. And, you know, many people think that because they finally get to the throne that everything's okay now. And Ahaziah, when Ahab, his story, I'm, I'm leaving him way back. I'm going to preach a whole sermon on him in just, in just a few weeks here. But Ahaziah was very ill because he fell into the lattice, the Bible says. In other words, there was some wiring, and he tripped into the lattice work, and he punctured his, I, I think he punctured a lung, but whatever he did, the doctors could not contain it. And he kept trying to get Elijah to come back. Dad's dead. Mom's dead. The dogs ate her. Just like you said, now I need you to come and pray for me. And Ahaziah thought that everything was going to be hunky-dunky. And Elijah said, you're going to die. This fall took place because God has your number. And then the final prophecy was that Elisha would receive a hard prophecy from God. The doubling of a powerful ministry in those that are following them. Now, I believe that it's possible to hand a Pentecostal generation a powerful church. I believe it's possible. But you can't do it watching every bit of garbage there is in this world. You've got to let the garbage keepers take care of the garbage. And you need to let the Spirit of God into your life. Hallelujah. There's a doubling of ministry that's possible. But if you add in these four, then you have 14. You then find that Elisha had, yes, eight more prophecies of his own, which, of course, requires a whole other series, and we're not planning that. So Elisha then prophesied eight amazing prophecies, doubled prophetic power. Hallelujah. I feel the spirit of multiplication in the church today. I feel here tonight in the house of God people that are saying, I want a double portion. I need the glory of God on my children. I want to see them filled with the Holy Ghost. <laughs> Hallelujah. So I'm, I'm sticking with 10 miracles, so let's go, because i got to finish here. So he stopped the rain for three and a half years. That's number one. His fifth miracle, remember, I'm not going in order. He called down fire from heaven. Can we clap our hands and say, thank you, Jesus? Hallelujah. This miracle alone caused Elijah to become the famous prophet. He is, in fact, one of the most famed prophets of all time, because fire Calling down fire? I mean, what, who ever heard of such a thing? No wonder a young prophet followed him. Church, a ministry without fire and without passion and void of the power is not what we are desiring. We are desiring Pentecost all over again. That is what our hearts are longing for. I'm calling on you young people to long for the fire from heaven. Reach out for the fire from heaven. Reach out by faith and let the truth envelop your soul. 
Let them make fun. You need the power. You don't need their pat on the back. You can do great things without the world's pat on your back. And then number six, he caused it. After stopping the rain, he caused it to rain. Before that, he caused a widow's barrel and cruise to never run dry. That was his third miracle. And then he raised that very woman's son from the dead. He restored her. Someone said, well, why did he let him die in the first place? How many knows that we just have to let God be God? God can restore. I want us to lift our hands and say, Lord, we need the miracle of restoration to fill our churches. Somebody's backslidden right now that needs to be restored. I mean fully restored to apostolic truth. Not just going to some dead church, some charismatic church that doesn't preach the truth. God is able to draw them into the truth. But what about the other four? What about 7, 8, 9, and 10? What were those miracles? Remember that even when the rain falls, we have to live holy. Even if we pack this building out, I want to tell you, Brother French, our greatest temptation is going to be if God fills this place, we will be tempted to think we've done our job that we're successful, and that will not be true. If we pack this building clear out into the vestibule, our job will have only just begun. And when people receive the Holy Ghost, that is not the end. They've got to be taught. And you can't say, well, I don't want to say anything because they might not want to live for God. You have to say something so they can live for God. They have no option to say, well, I'll either I'll live like a devil or it doesn't matter. It matters. We want to get you to heaven. Even when miracles are everywhere and rain is splashing at our feet, we must still believe the truth and preach it. We can't say, well, as long as they're talking in tongues, it won't matter how we're baptizing. It matters how you baptize. It matters what you're preaching. Praise God. You know, people who want to cozy up to Jezebel, there's something wrong with them. Hallelujah. Lord, you said that wouldn't get a lot of amens. I, I understand that. I understand it. Even when the rain is all around us, we must believe the truth. And we must do more than believe it. Now, folks, listen to me. Listen to your pastor. I could believe the truth and keep my mouth shut. And that would be as great a sin as if I preached a lie. If I know the truth and I refuse to say it, so somebody will say, well, we're, we're buddies. We're buddies. <laughs> I'm, I'm holding it in. Things I'm not saying. I want, I, I, I want to only say what I must say. So beware of pushing the preacher out of the way to make room for a modern way that throws the truth out the window. We need ministry that holds to God's unchanging hand. Hallelujah. You wouldn't be throwing it away if you spent half as much time in the Bible as you do in the pleasures of the world. You become cold and backslidden. You need to come back to the altar. So the church 
teach the fire to fall in its midst. The chariots were about to swoop down and take Elijah up in a whirlwind. That was, I mean, just think of these miracles. That, folks, we're not talking about. There was a toothache, and he said, Lord, touch this toothache. I'm not making fun of that if you have a toothache. I, I, I really feel bad for you. A toothache can be horrible. It can be horrible. I'm not making fun of that. But I mean, just think of, you know, let's say the tin were, uh, there was a toe ache, and he prayed for the toe ache, and then there was a toothache, and then someone's uh, had an earache, and so he prayed for his ear. And that would be wonderful. Wouldn't that be wonderful? But see, that's not the kind of miracles we're talking about. Where I, I call them wild miracles. I mean, okay, where's Elijah going? Well, I decided to just take him to heaven in a chariot. Oh, Hallelujah. His access to God was mind-boggling. But before the fiery departure and before the double portion associated with the mantle, there were three more miracles which were destined from heaven. Ahaziah's destiny had already been prophesied and predicted by this very Elijah of whom we are preaching. And I'm almost done. But Ahaziah sent 50 soldiers and told Elijah who was the Bible. I'm going to read it here from the King James. He was up. Let me read it. He was up on the top of Ann Hill. You see that there? Verse uh, chapter one of second Kings. So he was up on a hill. And listen to the captain, the captain of 50s, it says. Here's what the captain uh, commanded. Quote, thou man of God, come down to the king. Well, you had better not heed the world's call to come down. It was a prop. It was a uh, symbolic. I'm thinking prophecy. It was a symbolic reference. I mean, being up on a hill, no reason he couldn't have come down from a hill. It was a symbolic gesture. That Elijah did not have to come down to the king's level. And so they were prepared 50 to 1. Elijah? Well, of course, they were. there was Elisha. We know that. But uh, they didn't even carry swords. I mean, they, 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 they were no match, of course. And so 50 to 1. And they could have forced him down. But God had a plan. And the Bible says that the fire that had saved the truth at Mount Carmel when the prophets of Baal were doing their dancing all over the place, that the fire fell there, that same fire now fell to preserve Elijah in the truth. They were going to force him to Ahaziah and turn the tables on his prophecies and force him to pray a prayer. Contrary to the prophecy that he would die and, and cozy up and give him a nice steak and a few things and everything would be all right. But Elijah said, you dare not come against the purpose of God. And he faced it with truth in his heart. Think of a life filled with such power from God. 
and it wasn't over. Even with the mantle, we've left one more miracle because we have two sets of 50 soldiers coming and the fire falls and destroys them. And then God says, okay, get up and go down and talk to the king. One more miracle before the mantle. One more miracle is left. Elisha's being tested. And Elijah says, well, you wait here and I'm going to go. Remember that? I'm not going to go into that. I'm trying to hurry. So he's being tested and, and he's told him, you're going you're gonna to get a double portion, but you have to see me when I go up. And so I'm going to go here. I'm going to go there and I'm going to do this. And I'm going to do this. And, and, and Elisha refuses to leave Elijah. Praise God. I, I, I think we need to get some, some gumption. Is, is gumption a real word? Sister French, where is she? Uh, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, I think gumption is a word. I think if you look it up, you'll find that in there. That's a real word. You've got to get some uh, intestinal fortitude. That may be in there too. And so Elisha was tested and he refused to leave Elijah. So that great man of God demonstrates one last time the power of the mantle of the spirit or the mantle of truth, the mantle of the man of God. Everybody say mantle. And the Bible says that Elijah in his last miracle, Brother French, go down here and help me. Here, take this. This is too, <laughs> I could drag it, but I prefer to look a little more dignified. Okay, now you go on down. I'm here. I, I got it. I got it. The Bible says Elijah pulled out his mantle. And the Bible says that he took the mantle that he had been carrying and that he wrapped the mantle over, over here. You Remember, I'm 62. All right, so he took the mantle and he, the Bible says he wrapped it together. That's a, that's a nice Hebrew way of saying that he folded it. And this is the way I fold. If you don't like it, no, I'm just kidding. And so the Bible says that he did one last miracle. And there were only two people there. It was just him and me. Now, the Bible is clear to tell us that up in the hills they were watching and they saw and they saw. They said, what, what are they talking about? What are they talking about? Tell you what they were talking about. Elijah said, watch me. He took the mantle that God had given him and worn it every day, every miracle, the cruise of oil. And he took it in right in front of Elisha. He took the mantle and he smote the water. And the last miracle began for two people. Now, you tell me God doesn't talk to his creatures. He speaks sometimes. The greatest miracle is often reserved for the man of God so that he can do what he needs to do. I want you to reach your hand up here towards these preachers right now, and I want you to pray for them right now. Father, I thank you for ministry. I know we're just human. We're not worthy of a single thing, not even the blessings of God. But, Lord, don't ever let us sell the mantle. Don't let us forget it's the mantle that 
we're passing on. If we want a double portion, we've got to catch the mantle. Praise God. Would you stand with me all across the building? I want you to watch me. And so the prophet said, you've got to catch. You've got to see me. And what was connected with that chariot as it went up? He took the mantle and he tossed it down. And it floated down upon the shoulders of the young Elisha. And the ministry was compounded and multiplied just exactly as God intended for it to be. I want us to come and get as close as we can and we're going to pray for one another and we won't be long but let's come I want us to gather around this altar for a moment I want us to pray that we will cherish the mantle of God cherish the ministry cherish truth cherish truth preachers Lord we thank you for the anointing that takes us beyond ourselves Lord we thank you because it's going to be great our families can be turned around it's a powerful miracle and it's coming lord my children my grandchildren my neighbors my friends there's revival coming i'm not ashamed of it i'm not ashamed of it i'm not ashamed of it i love the truth i love the gospel i love the lord jesus christ i love the bible i love the holy ghost i love the gospel of jesus christ i'm not ashamed of it i'm gonna preach it i'm gonna preach it i'm gonna preach it let them make fun let them say what they want to i'm gonna preach the gospel we can do everything you want us to do we can have joy unspeakable we can have all the things we need because you're the one lord you're the hope of our lives we thank you thank you thank you thank you jesus thank you jesus thank you thank you thank you thank you thank you jesus thank you jesus glory 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 i want to oh hallelujah i want us to I want to show, I don't have much voice. I want everybody that's got a preaching ministry of any kind, or you have a ministry, or you have a license, or you consider yourself called of God. Some of you men, you know who I'm talking to. I want you to come up here. I don't want you to be ashamed of it. I want you to come and stand right here. I want all of you that have any kind of ministry, even if it's just anointing people with oil, I want you to come. Brother... Uh, Brandon, I want you to come. He's applying for his license in a few months here. We're going to reach our hands. Brother, here's, here's, uh, <coughs> here we are. Just keep coming. You have any kind of ministry? Come on, Brother Sherman. Come on. I want us to, I want us to reach our hands. And we're, I'm waiting on Bishop. We're, just, we're taking our time. I seem like I'm rushing, but, uh, you know, it just seems that way. I want us to, I want us to reach our hand. <laughs> oh, hallelujah. I want us to reach our hands toward the front of this, this service right now. And I want us to pray for the ministry in Jesus' name. Father, I pray that the temptation will never grip us. Lord, of course, we don't want to be made fun of. We don't want to lose respect and all of that. But we're not, we're not more worried about that than we end the truth. We love the truth. Father, I pray that you will anoint these men. I, I pray that you will bless, Lord. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Oh, hallelujah, Lord. <laughs> Praise God. 
Lord, we need men, women to preach the gospel that love it more than their own comfort, more than their own abilities. Yes, Jesus. Yes, Jesus. Now let's lift both our hands towards heaven and let's tell him we're going to commit ourselves. We're going to commit ourselves to the Lord. Come on, you can talk to him. Whatever you need to tell him, I want you to talk to him a little bit. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Lord, I love you. I love you. I love the truth. I want to love it. I want to preach it. I want to I be kind. I want to be good. I want to be uh, understanding. <laughs> but I don't want to lose the truth, Lord. I don't need fame, but I need your touch. I don't need riches, but I need your touch, Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I'll eat a grilled cheese, but I'm not. I'm not going to lose the truth. I want to buy the truth. I want to love the truth, Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God, praise God. Hallelujah. Could you get find somebody nearby and want you to pray for them right now? Just kind of get comfortable. We're not going to get wild here. I want you to just find somebody you can pray with. Let's pray that God, I feel a real, I do, I feel an anointing tonight. I feel an anointing tonight. Lord, I know that Elijah wasn't perfect. Of course he wasn't, but he did submit himself. And so we are doing the same. We want, Lord, the same mantle to fall upon us. The power of God, the fire of God, the rains from heaven. <laughs> we want revival, Lord. We hunger for revival, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Keep your hand on me, Lord. Keep your hand on me, Jesus. Make me in your image. Forgive us, Lord. Guide us. Oh, yes. Hallelujah. To the place where I first received you. Take me back. Oh, take me back. Take me back. Take to me back. Where I oh. first believed. Oh, take me back. Take me back, dear Lord, to the place where, where I first received you. 